Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and I have the fabulous, actually, I'm really super <laughs> stoked about this interview. Um, Arielle, and this is Steve Murray. Would you like to introduce yourself to the folks? Uh, yeah. Um, thank you for having me, Arielle. I'm um, Steve Murray. I do marketing and branding. And um, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> You're here. You're here. Matter of fact, um, to give you guys some context, this is about to be a powerful, powerful interview. So we, I always talk to people about the value of education. And mm-hmm. now that I'm in my entrepreneurial journey, there's always this discussion about institutional education and, um, and, um, and self-taught, you know, that, that mm-hmm. journey. So we connected on that story, right? And I yeah. got to hear your thought process around how you made it in, in um your education mm-hmm. um but because this is called the work and play podcast mm-hmm. if you guys go to his instagram just a little bit i've only known you for so long you you literally live you're the epitome of like work and play you seem like you enjoy what you do yeah you get to like fulfill your creativity yeah and you get to get paid at the same time yeah i think that's true i think that's a fair assessment okay. um I think that's a fair assessment. I think part of what I build my um, brand on is business and bullshit, right? So when you say work and play, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's perfect alignment, right? Um, you know, I've been able to uh, work with guys like NLE Chopper, uh, the game, Xbox, PlayStation, uh, a number of different brands, right? So each time you walk in that room, I just always try to put myself in a position to be the most authentic self, Right. And I think um, most of the time, culture actually drives product and drives business, right? People miss this component. So a lot of times people feel like you cannot be uh, yourself when you're dealing with business, right? And I actually take the exact opposite approach because really when I walk in a room and I don't see myself in the room, I'm going, you guys need me because you don't actually know how to make what you're doing cool. You might have a few people who have good ideas, but you don't come from the cloth to make it cool, right? Every brand right now in the whole world is trying to connect to hip hop. Oh, this is popular. You saw what happened during Black Lives Matter. People went uh, uh, like George Floyd and stuff like that. They go, oh, it's time to support black people. It's cool. No, you. I think you should have been walking in the room as yourself from the beginning. Right. right. You've been walking in and you code switch immediately. You're code switching because they don't know anyone that is professional that's moving the way you move. Right. Now, if you go in there as yourself, what they actually end up learning is, oh, I have a new perspective on professionalism. So the next person that comes behind you now, it's not necessarily, oh, braids means uneducated. No, they don't have anyone in there that does that right now. Right. right. Or that looks like that. You going? I had a lawyer friend. He always used to say, cut your hair. Then you'll be able to no. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. When you get there, that's cool. But I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. So, you know, what I've been able to do is leverage what I'm born with. We already cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we already cool. So now you don't have that. Mm. Let me help you out. If I come in there, I'm trying to be you. It's not going to work because I can't be you. (laughs) I can't can't do it. I got to do it like this. So that's it. You already, you already killing the interview. So the thing about it is, okay, 
Where did you get that um, confidence? Mm-hmm. And because what you're saying, without saying, it, is black power. Mm-hmm. Like we all have this power within us, right? Mm-hmm. And, but are you are you specifically talking about black people, or do you think that's like a trans trans I, universal actually, term? I think it does apply directly to black people, but I'm not talking specifically to black people. This is how I think it crosses the board. I think everybody has like culture, right? Everybody just like you have some of it is regional. Some of it is, um, you know, specific to just being in America. Some of it is tied to music. Right. So some that's how like we could go to New York. The Spanish kid, the black kid and the white kid are all the same. Right. So when we're talking about culture, it's like almost we're talking about like the, the children of hip hop in some sense. But not 100% because it does not mean that the person that did not come from this is not also cool too, right? It depends on what you define as cool, right? Now, can you execute and can you deliver it in a sense that's digestible? But most of the time right now, well, hip hop is the number one genre of music that is pop music right now. So <laughs> we just got to set the, the standard for what's There you go. Exactly. Yeah. I got you. So did you grow up with like this? um, Matter of fact, where did you get your confidence in like being who you are? When when was the first time you remember someone like encouraging you to be you? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. I think, um, you know what? I feel like my my mom never um, like made me do stuff. It was always like, Steve, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think that tr- has translated to my behavior, like since I was a child. Because I remember when I was younger, people would say, and not even from like a negative action that I took, but people would say that I was arrogant. Right. I remember like, not all the time, because I'm really nice to everybody, but I do remember that like word being attached to my name in some cases. I was going, why do you say that? Mm-hmm. Because you just think, so? <laughs> and now, so what? Yeah. Right? So I, th- I, I felt like, I always felt like just my parents allowing me to um, be myself. You know, like some people go, you children should be seen, not heard. It wasn't really like that when I grew up. It was like, eh, you want to do, do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got something to say, say it. So for some people, they might go, why you ask that question? Why you say that? Because I don't know. I want to know. Yeah. So what? Tell me. Do you have an answer? No. The only thing that, like, my, my brother always used to say, hey, meet people with respect, and that's it. So it doesn't, it was never like, uh, I'm afraid or I'm intimidated to say whatever I need to say. I think, you know, my parents did a good job of seeding that in me mm-hmm. to the point where I, I don't know anything different. Yeah. I think that's really dope. Um, a lot of what you're saying kind of resonates with me, but it's it's interesting because I think I've fed myself a lot of that as an adult mm-hmm. like from the four agreements. I hear mm-hmm. a lot of that resonating in the way you speak, um, just being who you are, all of that. It's, it's pretty dope. So speaking of your, your upbringing, you mm-hmm. said your parents did a really good job. Why don't you take us back to like, what was it like growing up in your household? Oh, it was incredible. It was the most incredible thing in the world. And the, the reason why I'm saying that is, I have, uh, I grew up with three other brothers and one sister. So it's five people in the house and the age gap is gigantic for me. My oldest brother is 11 years older than me. Okay. Uh, then my sister is 10 years. Then my other brother is nine years. And my other brother is six years. Okay. 
all of us, and my parents are African. They're from Sierra Leone. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you have seven people in the house who have completely different personalities. You got two parents that's coming from an entirely different country that have no clue what is standard in America. Yeah. Right. That's one. Right. So you're growing up with like this African culture and like traditions from everything from food to the music that they listen to, to uh, the type of friends that they have. Right. You're going like the, the type of friends that they have. Right. You dealing with foreigners in yeah. the most literal sense. Did they create a community of like only immigrants? Um, most of their friends are are from Sierra Leone. Okay. Like, yeah, most of their friends. Because when people come over, like, oh, this person is family. We got a huge family. Like, it's just crazy. But that's a different story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we have a huge family. So it's and the Sierra Leonean community is like big on parties. So that's like their thing. Like that's a big staple in like the community. So it was like all types of people. Right. And then now that, that's just with my parents. Right. Those are their but then my older brother is, um, he's like really intelligent, right? He's really, really, really intelligent. And all of his friends are probably more parallel to him, right? These are like really school focused, like career organized, like um, he works for the government. He's been working for the government since he was 24 or something okay. like that, right? So, but but still like a fun person and goes out but his his approach to life is just a little different right it's, it, it would fit more under a corporate structure that works for him okay. right and then you have my sister who is a registered nurse right her but the way she moves she's not organized she's like more of a hustler like hey. she really like knows how to hustle like but still not like a um like business like she knows how to hustle but it's the different it's it's not like my older brother is more straight corporate hers is more like how do i hustle within In the system yeah and then i have my other two brothers are completely opposite of them one of them is like i don't even know how to describe him right his personality is super dynamic he's like a rowdy person right and then my brother that's six years older than me he's more like he's probably the most rowdy and the most quiet at the same time he barely says two words he's super duper humble but you just can't play with him like like people can't play with him like that what you know he um he does landscaping he's he like he does landscaping he has like cars and stuff like that he actually is probably the more closest to like entrepreneur mindset and his approach to um like just life and stuff like that but it's more he's just so humble like he's so humble the brother that i was talking about that's like rowdy he's not i would never say that he's humble (laughs) he's not arrogant but like you like yeah yeah exactly uh, okay, gotcha. He, he works with like hotels and stuff like that or okay, whatever. Okay, so yes, he's his personality kind of get around. 
Probably, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, I don't know how he is in that space. I just know outside of that space, like he's a loud person. Like he just so. Anyway, in a nutshell, you so you're dealing with all of these different personalities. Everybody's completely different, but they all have the huge friend groups. Yeah. These huge friend groups. So every day, which I thought this was one of the most incredible things about my parents. It might be 20 people at my house every single day. Every single day. That's my standard normal. Because each person probably had at least five to six friends over at the same time. Mm-hmm. And my parents would pull up in the driveway like, Hey, Rasheed. Hey, Bob. Hey, the- <laughs> don't care. Just walk right past it. <laughs> Let me put this in my pocket. Like, mm-hmm. Respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I see them accept everybody as they are, right? Yeah. So a lot of that played out into, like, how I receive people, how I interact with people, and, you know, me not being afraid to be myself. Because if you have, I didn't even include my parents' friend groups in this, like, people come home. But mm-hmm. when you add that into it yeah. and how accepting they were of, like, some of the people that some of my brother's friends, people would be afraid of them. <laughs> okay. They would be like, who is, but the way my parents received them, it just made me feel like, oh, you can just be yourself everywhere. And I didn't know that that was like one of the points because that was such my norm. Like, oh, yeah. just be yourself and you it's okay. Navigating in all these different scenarios. And so you can be anyone else but you. I mean, you could have kind of tried to be a chameleon. And you would have never found yourself, mm. but you went the opposite way. Yeah. And the more you interacted with these different types of people, you got closer and closer to yourself. Yeah. But, yeah. So did your parents um, push school on you in education? You said they never really made you do anything. Oh, uh, they didn't make me do anything, but you're dealing with foreign parents. You better go <laughs> to school. <laughs> what do you want you to be? Uh, they didn't have anything that they wanted me to be. It was, Steve, what do you want to be? Mm. Um, it was, what do you want to be? And... I think uh, they just wanted to make sure that I got an education. And really what they wanted to make sure was that you survive. It's not even that you got an education. They want to make sure that you survive. And when you're talking about your foreign, like right now, if you and I decide to move to Singapore, right? And in the most hypothetical, we start a family, we would be saying, I don't know how you do this, but most of these people here got education. Y'all about to do that. Okay. So this is what this is what they do. Yeah, this is how they get money over here, and this is how they surviving. And we don't know how to do this because we're not from here, and I don't understand these systems. I don't understand what's in place. This is they moved in the seventies, right? So if you see the shift in technology, internet, you know, culture, and all of that stuff, you don't know what is considered normal or not normal. Yeah. You just really want them. So, so if my parents were more like, hey, get all of the. T- so if education was the tool that helped you survive, you, you got to go get your education. I'm going to make sure that if you don't do anything, you yeah. want to do that. But I play sports. So I went to school for free. Gotcha. And then I ended up doing my master's um, afterwards. And I had I had guidance in that space because my my oldest brother play sports too. So I had a little bit of like buffer, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times, I think I told you this yesterday, a lot of times when you um, come from a certain pocket, you only have one shot and you can't miss. The fact that my brother already went to school before me, Mm -hmm. 10 years prior, Mm -hmm. 
gave me buffer. Steve, explore your interests outside of just sports. What do you like? Yeah. That one key component, it could have went over my head, but thankfully I was able to digest that. Absolutely. Like, oh, okay, let me get into stuff. Cool. So now when by the time I actually go to school, I have an idea of like what to expect. I know I'm going to have to choose a major. I already know that I was going to have to choose a major. So maybe I might not know exactly which one, but I have a idea because I know that, oh, I want to make commercials. I like that. I like commercials. How did you know you wanted to make commercials? Um, I was watching a television commercial. I was watching TV, sitting in my mom's living room. And the Allen Iverson commercial came on. Uh, this was 2001, 2002. Okay. He had just won the NBA MVP that year. And uh, Reebok was releasing the Allen Iverson A5. And they did a commercial where uh, Allen Iverson was dribbling the basketball, making the beat. Mm-hmm. And Jada Kiss was rapping, right? Oh, I actually, the more you say it, I'm like, wait a minute, because I actually do remember that. One. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. What's Jada Kiss' first line was, "Yo, it's the new eight fives. You gotta rock them." They even put a zone in the league to try to stop them. Son, son. But that, when I watched it, I said, "What was that? Like, I want to do that." Like they, like that was the first time I saw. Uh, Fortune 500 company take a product, a, a tangible product, and make it cool, right? Um, and I just knew, oh, wow, I want to make stuff cool because this is boring. Like, so I actually had two things. I either wanted to make commercials mm-hmm. or I wanted to make buildings. And it was the same approach. I, these buildings are very static, square. You wanted to make them cool. Uh, yeah, that was just my approach to everything. So by the time I actually got to college, I knew, okay, I did a little bit of research like prior to, and I was going, okay, well, how do you get into advertising? Because I learned that, okay, that was advertising, that was marketing. Okay, cool. So how do you do that? There's design, there's, you know, some advertising courses, and then also, I noticed that there was like architecture stuff, right? The architecture I had to rule out because the football schedule and uh, architecture doesn't go hand in hand. Okay. It's way too intense. Mm-hmm. So I had to take that off the table. And then um, when I got to college, I had two options. I could take graphic design courses or I could take marketing courses. But I took graphic design courses because I wanted I wasn't good with the computer and I wanted to get like skills that like I could sell. So I knew like, okay, at worst case scenario, if I learn how to use the computer, number one, when you're talking about advertising, I know what people will respond to psychologically, what colors make sense to evoke this emotion that would. So now I was what I was thinking was like, okay, I can get I could take business as a minor and still get graphic design skills and I could sell graphic design skills just understanding like oh this is like a serviceable skill this wasn't I learned this like through the process a little bit but like I knew that if I learned how to use the computer then I could get the marketing skills on the back end but if I knew at least like why is that a good billboard if I know how to do it myself then I know why it's a good billboard why is that a good ad in a magazine things like that can I ask you a question um, is advertising and marketing housing the same like um, school? Because I've always known marketing as like business from a business perspective for some reason, but I've never known anyone 
in the advertising line? Are they housed in the same like school or cohort in school? That's a good question. It depends on the school. Mm. Um, the advertising department was actually in the business school and the design school was like graphic design was all in there. But mm. in the graphic design school, you could take like if some of those courses are advertising courses. So some people, depending on like what your track is, you could be um, like they could give you a track that's advertising theory mm -hmm. and that might be business. Mm -hmm. But then some of those students, if they want to be on a um, advertising track with some design, then they would have to take design principles and things like that so they kind of it depends on what track you do so sometimes they might do like bachelor of science and bachelor of arts so depending on which one i think the science is more theory and the arts is actual like you do the stuff so then they yeah. make decisions based on like okay do you want to do websites what do you want? like they'll ask you questions okay. and then you kind of they'll put you in the courses so you'll be back and forth between both buildings okay you, yeah, you seem like you have a good mix between like the creative and the business side. So when yeah. you say like you were thinking about the skills that you could parlay into like an actual business endeavor. Yeah. How did you take the, those skills and like what was the first way that you said, OK, let me dimple dabble and get some money? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. That, 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 that's the first time I ever got that question. That's interesting. I The first thing that I did probably when I started monetizing my skills was um Probably a thing that most people do. I sold like a few logos and things like that. Mm -hmm. But really where I monetized my skills while I was in school, I had a friend who was working on a clothing line uh, called, we had a clothing line called Looking Sweet, mm. right? Uh, and it was the tagline was like, if you ain't looking sweet, you looking weak, right? <laughs> and um, he, th this is my boy. This is my boy. He played ball too. It was like three years younger than me. So while he was doing that, you know, we conversing because I, I made a couple logos for some of the shirts and they were getting off. But I hated what I did, actually. I just did it for him. Like, all right, you want to logo here? Do your thing. Yeah. So when I started seeing people wearing it, I said, hey, yo, <laughs> yo we want to partner on this. We like, like I, that, that was nothing. That was a joke. Like, you did you even charge him for it at that moment? You hadn't even charged him for it. Okay. I wouldn't <laughs> charge him a dollar if I could. I wouldn't do it. So I made it. Yo, look, I know what we about to do. Don't worry. I got us. Just, I got this. So then I went back to the lab. Boom. Now nah, I'm about to make some fire shit now. Mm -hmm. So then I started making like a few other designs and things like that. And then we paid for shirts. We paid for sweatshirts. We printed them. I think our first order was like 30 or something like that. So it literally cost me maybe like 200 $250 to order like 30 shirts and sweatshirts. Nice. And we sold them. Right. So I took a skill that I was learning for free anyway, because I was on a full scholarship. But even if you are not, you don't have to pay back the loan that you're taking in that instance anyway. So right. who said you can't monetize those skills? Absolutely. Nobody said that you can't monetize the skills. Absolutely. So I put it into the clothing line and then fast forward. As we started to scale and like utilize more designs and stuff like that, I think maybe like in the first year or two or something like that, maybe we took that because we never put like more money into it. This was just like, all right, let's see what happens. We probably took like 200 to 20, 25,000. Nice. So it was like 
first year, semester, how how long? Maybe that was like a year or two. Okay. Yeah, that was well, like a year. student, free, yeah. free ride. Yeah, because that's good. <laughs> to me, I was rich in college. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were. You know, you don't have a ramen noodle. You probably got some good No, nah, I was straight in college. You can ask anybody that went to college with me. I was good. I, huh, I don't know what y'all talking about. I'm flying to Vegas this week. Right. I shared something like this on my story, actually, a couple of days ago. And I'm looking at myself as I was in college, and I'm going, well, you are crazy. But yeah, I was monetizing my skills then. And of course, you know, the, the 20, 25,000 we had expenses and stuff like that, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but but that's the number that I remember seeing like uh, at one time or something like that. Could have been more, could have been less. We end up like you know, you end up having expenses, blah blah blah. So you, it's in and out and stuff like that. But I do remember that number. But for for a kid that's in college to be able to jump on the plane whenever you want, Absolutely. I was flying back and forth to Boston. Sometimes first class, sometimes not. Because um, <laughs> I, I remember I, I missed this flight. I missed this flight on the way to Boston, and uh, I had a finals test. I ended because uh, UMass Amherst they do this um, thing called Blackout Weekend. It's like one of the biggest parties in Massachusetts. The first school I was at was in Boston. Okay. So is that where you're from? I'm from DC. DC. Okay. Yeah. So when I when I went to I flew from Texas to Boston. That was out when I was at uh, in Texas. That's when we started the closing line. That's when I transferred to Lamar University. So I used to fly back and forth. Then I had a uh, like a mentor that was with the money team in during this time period. So I used to go Boston, back to Texas. I go to Vegas. What's the money team? <laughs> Floyd Mayweather. Oh, seriously? Like oh, this was two thousand. Like 13, 14, 15, okay. somewhere Wait, in I there. I had to really wrap my mind around. So we focused on a lot about like you going into school, right? Mm -hmm. And you did, you learned to monetize. <clears throat> you had the idea to monetize your skill set. There's so much that's missing though, because mm -hmm. you knew <clears throat> part of even when we met, you kind of, you said you knew what to use your resources to look into when you went into school. So you mm -hmm. kind of had that mindset. Yeah. And it sounds like you also had a bit of a network very early on in your in your um college career mm -hmm. like how did you what, what was that connection or how did you get plugged in what was your environment going into school because you don't sound like the regular you know <laughs> kid who but i was just a kid that was going to school i didn't know anybody really it's not like i knew so <clears throat> and this is what we were talking about yesterday yeah uh, name a place right now that you can go where everybody there is um, looking to do something with their lives and don't name college. Very few places. So when you when I got to school, it's so easy to make connections with people because everybody there wants to do something. So you might align with people just on the fact that um, this is your first time in college. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, you might align with people because. They're interested in graphic design, too, or they like advertising. What are their interests? Right, taking a likeness to people in general, mm -hmm. right, in, a, in the most genuine way. Right. And everybody there is, you know, looking to become, right? 
So when I was in school, literally, okay, I met um, Court Parks is one of the first people that I met. That's why I was saying you can't buy relationships like those. Uh, You know, you and I met on set of the Social Proof podcast while Aristotle was doing an investment. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the podcast on the options trading and things like that. Well, he's also working with Core to, you know, do the marketing and branding for the actual event that they're doing, right? But I met Core over 10 years ago. I met him when I was 18. When I got there, him and I played the same position in football. It was, oh, you play this? Yeah, man, can you show me? I'm not, you can't be so arrogant enough to where you can't ask people, can they show you? Yeah, I wanted to be good in sports. Can you show me? how you did it, mm-hmm. I would ask questions. Hey, I know that I'm trying to get somewhere. I would ask people, hey, okay, the, one of the greatest questions that uh, one of my coaches told me to ask, actually, he said, if you ask someone, can they show you something and they are not able to do it, ask them, do they know someone? So most of the places that I would go, I would say, oh, I'm looking for this. Do you know? How, so do you know someone who can? So then you start getting introduced to people based on the like one relationship is worth probably 10 relationships. They'll introduce you to other people just from literally that one question. So when I was going to school, OK, I already have um, a network based on me playing sports, but I'm not going to skip over the fact that you have to actually engage and take interest in those people because you can go be on the sports team and not connect with your teammates or you still have work to do. So sometimes like people will think, well, he did this because no, you still have to do your part in the story. Right. I have to go ask Core. Hey, do you. And it's not just Core. There was several other people. But then, uh, like, I had a friend that was playing at UMass. Mm -hmm. I was intentional about going to UMass. I want to know your what's it like there. I had like I want to inquire. I had a friend that was at Boston College. These schools are in the same state. I'm going to Boston College. So every weekend or like every opening outside of football, I would go this place. I would go there. My, I had a cousin that lived in Boston. I didn't know this at the time, but then when I found out, oh, send me his number. I'm going to call him. I'm going to tell him to come out with us. Yeah. So I was just a little bit intentional about meeting people and maintaining genuine relationships. And it's not even like it was work. It was like... You wanted to kick it. Yeah. You wanted to get to know what they had going on. Yeah. So then, you know, a lot of those relationships turn into relationships of value. Okay, that's just that's just with the student body. When I um, actually started moving around. uh, So what happened was after my sophomore season, um, Northeastern dropped their football program. I got re-recruited and I ended up at Lamar University in Texas. Texas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I was there, it was completely different than Northeastern. Northeastern is a hub full of life. It's like literally one of the richest cities in America. And it's all types of people there. You know, I remember having teammates at Northeastern whose parents were multimillionaires and things like that. That was a norm. Right. And there was no rush to even like build with those people, because in my mind, I'm here for another three and a half years, four years. Like I have all the time in the world. Okay. And then when that gets taken, it's like, all right, don't take life for granted. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like, don't take these resources for granted. 
who would have predicted that? I don't think an 18 year old kid could predict that, right? Yeah. So it also shifted me a little bit. Oh, sh- don't take this time that you have for granted, because that was one of the most resourceful places that I ever could have been. Everything from professors who own businesses, um, you know, people or teammates who had parents that own businesses. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really taking advantage of it. I was just making friends. It sounds like you were also just kind of exposed. Yeah. You weren't necessarily. I was exposed, but I wasn't intentional. Yeah. So now when you go to Lamar University, which is in Beaumont, Texas, which is like a small population, it's a small town, and there's not a lot of business going on there. Um, It's not really a lot of business going on there. It's a lot of oil and gas and like blue collar work, stuff like that. But now what I ended up realizing was, okay, let me identify these resources that I need to get where I want to go. I wasn't really worried about the fact uh, that, okay, this place is not like um, like a big city. So one of the reasons that I chose to go to Boston instead of going to like other schools was because I wanted to be in a big market when it came to like marketing and advertising. I knew that that was like a thing that I wanted to do. Like I want to do billboards in a big city and da da da. So then when I had to leave that and I went to a small town that was like completely opposite of that. Yeah. I did have to be a little bit more intentional. Yeah, about like, yeah, making the connections to where you wanted to go. Yeah, because when I was in Boston, I thought I was just going to stumble into it. Literally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then when I went to a small town, it was like, all right, this might be harder, but I'm going to get where I'm going regardless. Yeah. It, doesn't, it didn't matter. Yeah. I actually had a professor. He told me, he was my advisor, and I'm like going a couple of years ahead, but we could go back. But when I was doing my master's program, I had a a professor that said to me, um, hey, if you decide to come to Lamar for your master's um, versus because I was looking at San Diego State because I wanted to be close to L.A. and most of the schools in L.A. were way too expensive. So he said, here's what you'll, you know you'll get. You'll get a closer support system. You're not going to really get a huge network outside of this southeast Texas region. Mm-hmm. But uh, you won't be in a lot of debt and you will um, learn the skills that you need. Right. So he said, that's, you know, if you go to California, you'll probably get a better network and you'll probably get um, you know, everything that you're specifically looking for, but you know, that though that's what you're wearing is gonna be a little bit more expensive. So mm. that's your What about the support though? Like mm. the support and the skills piece. Well, of course you're gonna get the skills but he couldn't speak to that component because he didn't teach there. Yeah. He didn't work there. Mm. But he was just saying, Hey, yeah, I know I have some professors here that will get you all the information you need, but this you're not gonna be in a network that could get you to California. Just know that. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair. Yeah. So it was more like, okay, I'll do that part. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'll do that part. I already made a bunch of friends here. I know this person. I play sports. I was intentional about meeting people. I'll figure it out. I could figure it out myself. That's fine. Just <laughs> you know, what I mean? I'm not about to take a hundred thousand in debt for right. to learn. I'll figure the rest out. And a network that you can already kind of, in your way, figure figure out yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll do my part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like, okay, I'll do my part. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. So, you know. So when I think, so back to, I'm trying to put things in chronological order. Mm-hmm. You can always correct me if I'm wrong. 
you went to Northwestern first. Northeastern. Northeastern first. Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> you were on their football team. And that's where you first decided. Is well, that's where you were deciding between um, architecture or um, mm-hmm. advertising. Mm-hmm. And you decided to advertising because that worked for your schedule. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the environment where you first learned that you can parlay your skills into the first business, which was called um, Looking Sweet. Looking Sweet. Actually, uh, so that's when I was getting my base courses and really just doing a lot of networking, like making friends, making right? Making friends. In, at a bunch of different schools, mm-hmm. right? Because North, uh, Northeastern is 50 schools in Boston that are all within a 10-mile radius. So then when I actually got to Lamar, mm-hmm. that's when I, because I wasn't in my actual, I was taking Course. courses, but mm-hmm. I wasn't in my skill set. Yeah. When I got to Lamar University, this was 2010, mm-hmm. that's when I started taking like more specified graphic design courses where I actually got better. So during that time, maybe like 2011, maybe after a year, then I actually monetized my skills because I had enough skills to actually use them. So it was around that time. Yeah. Okay. So that helps me understand that faced with the decision to create your own network mm-hmm. at Lamar, you also found a way. And and you may have been traveling before you started monetizing, but you were also monetizing. That's what allows you to stay connected to people at these other schools because you're like, okay, well, I know the people. I just have to get to them and experience what they have. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, you found a, a business endeavor that will allow you to do that. Does that make that right? Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I think I think I would have done it with or without. Okay, true, but it yeah. kind of made a little bit. No, easier. no, I, yeah, absolutely. Had you absolutely. considered it when when you when the professor gives you this this decision, like, okay, I'm gonna make it happen, where you mm-hmm. actually you probably hadn't created the business already. I, I had I had at that time, so I, I I jumped ahead. At that time, yeah, I I was that was like my master's professor that told me this, but he was also my undergrad professor too, mm-hmm. but. Um, he told me that before I did my, my master's, but so oh, that's the, true. Yeah. We were deciding so, long term. Yeah. Okay. So let me put it in order for you. So yes, what you're saying is accurate. All right. So I was at Northeastern and I decided to do graphic design so that I can get into advertising and marketing. Mm-hmm. Cause I said, okay, well, when I'm done, I know that I, I'm only going to have like a, a little bit of coursework to do my master's. Master's is quick. It's only like two years to a year and a half, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I end up transferring to Lamar down in Texas, maybe I started my clothing line a year and a half after that, or a year after that, and I started monetizing my skills. So then um, while my friends, so I still have friends from high school that played at multiple colleges, and of course my friends that I made when I was at Northeastern. Most I had another friend that was actually playing junior college football in California. That's how I ended up in my California my first time. Okay. But basically, you know, most of the guys that were at other schools, I would ask them what was going on and I would go there. Yeah. Now, monetizing my skills did allow me to do that. Right. That was because, yeah, I had extra capital. But on top of that, um, it's like I monetized everything that was around me. Mm, tell me about that. <laughs> well, so, all right, when you play sports, <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you play sports, you, um, you actually have a, a few ways that you could uh, make money. Mm. You can, usually, 
your, your school is already covered for, and then they give you access to, if you qualify, which most of us did, you qualify for a Pell Grant. So you get a Pell Grant, which probably was like 5500 a semester. And then um, you also can cash in on your meal plan. So if they give you um, like a meal plan, let's say your meal plan is worth two grand. You can say, I don't want, um, I don't want to go to the dining hall. I want my money. Yeah. So you can monetize that. And then you can sometimes, not every school, but some schools like you monetize your, uh, your health insurance. You can say, oh, I'm already on my parents' insurance. I want a refund for that. So you could get the money back from that. I didn't do that with the meal plan. And the, uh, I did a partial on the meal plan. So I monetized half of it. And then I took the Pell Grant. So maybe um, I had like an extra six or 7,000 every semester. But then you, you have a choice for how you could use it. I wasn't the only person that like would get Pell Grant, but most people would go get TVs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-mm. I don't know. Not you. Of course not. <laughs> We're not doing that. We're not doing that. So I would like, I would find, so I, and then when you come to housing, right? Instead of, instead of going to um, like, some people would move to the west side where the houses were nicer and like more expensive. It was probably like, it wasn't a lot. It was like 750 a month for like a one bedroom. Mm-hmm. But if you get a house that's closer to the school mm-hmm. and you get, so I ended up getting a four bedroom house and just live with th- uh, two other teammates. So okay. we had a four bedroom with three of us okay. and we were only paying, it still was only like 750. Right. So we were paying like 250. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, we're going to do this. This how I'm going to go buy groceries. And then this money that I have left, maybe I have like an extra five grand left. Then I'll just invest in like different products and stuff like that. So then we would like, well, I would like monetize whatever products that I found that I knew people needed. Sometimes that would be like, you know, I don't know, a number of different things. It was like, it's so long ago that I don't specifically remember. Mm -hmm. But that's how I would move my money around. So I was monetizing not just the clothing line. I was monetizing everything around me. If I know that this is like what people need, then I would monetize that. Plus I had the clothing line. That's why I said I would have been traveling either way. So I was monetizing my skills, which cost me nothing. Mm -hmm. So now I got an extra five or 10 grand coming in, you know, each semester from monetizing a skill that's not costing me anything. And then I'm taking the money that they're giving me. I'm not spending spending it i'm actually investing it so i'm living for free already and then i'm monetizing the extra Mm -hmm. so i probably had an extra ten thousand on one side and another ten thousand on the other side so now when my friends i know how am i going to use this half of them i'm going to invest in myself like from traveling yeah it looks fun Mm -hmm. but i'm about to go build Mm -hmm. i'm about to go build with these people I'm really about to go build. Mm -hmm. So who do I have in other states and where are my openings? Right. How am I utilizing the time that I have left after football? So on the off season, instead of going home, like let's say Thanksgiving is coming up or, you know, there's a holiday or such and such. Hey, Q, you had you mess. What's going on this weekend? Oh, we doing this, this and this. I'm going to be up there. Then I will come back go back to school yeah oh i had so one of my mentors he played football too but i wouldn't call him it wasn't like that one just kind of happened when i was in high school he used to come to our football games we played the same position and he was like yo i got you whatever you need like call me for anything so that's the guy that was in vegas all the time and he was working with the money team okay so on my off oh such and such yeah come on man come i'm gonna take you to the gym you're gonna come meet floyd 
you come sit in on these meetings with me too. Okay. Bet I'm going. Some you know when you when you say like like people say, oh let's go on vacation. How many people end up going on the trip when you're trying to plan it with a group? A lot of people end up oh going gosh. like. Yeah, one, if not. There you go. Yeah, no. So most people are not even gonna put themselves in a position to get there. Uh, you get what I'm saying? So I was intentional about that. I was intentional about like building with the people on my campus. Intentional about building with the people outside of my campus. Yeah. Oh, this demon lawyers in my network. You in Vegas? You? I'm going. Yeah. I'm going. Oh, James, you in California? Yeah, bro. You gotta come see this. You there? All right, I'm there. Yeah. So it didn't matter. Yeah. Like, I'm a good... Why? Because, all right, you got a couple goals. All right, go just see who you meet. Right. Just see what happens. Just see. How yeah. you, like, how, this is the most, like... Part of this translation comes from the same thing that used to happen in my, like, regular life. People would say to me when I was younger, you're never afraid to talk to girls. Because <laughs> I already don't have them anyway. <laughs> so if you tell me, no, I didn't have you anyway... <laughs> Just shoot the shot. Yeah. Go ahead, miss. Put the shot up. Yeah. Uh, okay. You don't shoot. You already miss. So it's the same mindset. Yeah. All right. I'm going. I'm going. Hold, hold on. You said I'm not going to. I don't need you to go find the people that I want to get in contact with. I'm going to go find them anyway. Yeah. I'm going to go get them. Your mindset is super strong. So, and now I kind of understand. There's so much more to unpack because, like, you come from um, immigrant parents who didn't know nothing about the system, not the American system, not the school system, um, but you you learn to leverage it. And I understand how you systematically understand how to connect like dots and, and capitalize on opportunities, most importantly, and be intentional. So I, I definitely don't want to like pass that over, like because it's a lot to get into when it comes to that. I think that understanding helps me understand a little bit more about how you are able to be like that business person and still be real at the same time. Mm. Because when we talked yesterday, you were talking about like when you worked for a job, Mm -hmm. you weren't just like inundated with like, this is my life. This is my identity. You knew exactly specifically what it is that you wanted to get into in that experience. So if you could kind of explain on like now that you get your degree, you get Mm -hmm. your master's, did you work a little bit between bachelor's and master's or did you go straight Uh, to yeah, so I still had my clothing line, so I was mm-hmm. still doing the clothing line, um, but it was coming to an end. Okay. Um, just time commitments, money, stuff like that. Still had the clothing line at that time, and I was working with um, a company called Education First, which was a credit union. Okay. How did I even get there? I got that before I even got into my master's. What happened was, and it, this is the same exact thing, put yourself in position to meet people. You have to show up. You have to show up. They did a conference specifically for athletes. They put a flyer in our locker room, right? And it was, uh, I forgot what they called it. Who cares what it's called? But they just said, hey, come. It's going to be, we're going to bring in different people like from State Farm, the bank, and da, 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 Fox News, and blah, blah, blah. And at that time, what happened was I actually wanted to go into advertising. And I was trying to connect with Fox mm. because the Fox, stu- we had, okay, we had a Fox studio in my campus. Oh, cool. That's what it was. We had a Fox studio in my campus. Mm. And I didn't, I wasn't taking classes over there, but one of the professors was um, a TV host on Fox. So I know that like Fox has production studios and that's the closest thing to like real life advertising that I could get to. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. So I went and met that professor because somebody told me like, oh, such and such works at Fox. I got to meet her. Yeah. 
So then I met her and I was thinking my end was going to be Fox because I knew she was going to be there again. And I had been talking to her and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, dope. I'm going there. I circled Fox. I'm like, I'm going to connect with the people at Fox. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. But they had they had gave us this fire in our in our locker room anyway. So but what I'm showing you is I had already went and met this professor on my campus yeah. that was working at Fox. So I was like trying to figure it out whether this was going to happen or not. Like I was intentional about like, OK, how can I like put myself in position to to meet these people? So then what happens is I get this flyer and it says professional conference for athletes, blah, blah, blah. Show up. boom. So I showed up and I could tell you probably it was maybe six. 60 people in there. It was like three football players. So nobody else showed up. Me and probably like two others. This is tr- the truth. This is like, I, like, I can't make this up. And it's like 12 business owners. Um, the CEO of Education First was there. Okay. So one of the guys who was speaking was giving this blanket advice. Find a mentor. Da, da, da. And when you're 18, when you're 20, 22, whatever age you are, I just kept asking how do you find a mentor? Yeah, you have to um, put yourself out there. All these blanket statements. What do you mean? I don't know what that means. And I literally said it. Okay, so if I want to find a mentor, like literally, what are the steps that I would take? He couldn't really answer the question, to be honest. But I think what happened was the people that were on the panel realized like, oh, he's like serious. Mm-hmm. Like he's like he he really is looking for mentorship. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, what happened? Was, so I, I talked to the people at Fox. I talked to there's a bunch of people there. I don't even remember the companies anymore. I remember Fox because I went and met the professor yeah. that worked there and she introduced me to the production person. OK, so I was thinking like, oh, this is going to be a lock. And then the guy from Education First, the CEO of the of the bank, I mean, of the credit union, talked to me and he said, hey, I think maybe I can help you out. He didn't say it wasn't. A, it was literally just that he was old, like wrinkly a little bit, <laughs> like he had like a like kind of a limp a little bit. And I was like. What the fuck am I going to do at a bank? Okay. Because I'm trying to do advertising. What am I going to do at a bank? Best decision I ever made was following up and calling him because he did have something for me. What I realized was every industry needs marketing. Every single one. Yeah. Including the bank. Mm. They market products. Their products are loans. Their products are credit cards. Their products are uh home loans, auto loans. Those are their products. Retirement packages. Those are their products. And they have to market them to people. You see Chase advertisements all the time. But when you think about advertising, what's the what's the customer? What are you trying? How are you trying to connect with the customer? Because like everybody needs banks. So it doesn't necessarily seem like you have to market very no, much. No, that's not true. Really? Because there's other banks in the industry. So Why you do you have competitors? Yeah. Why do you know American Express uh, credit card? They advertise it. Very true. Why do you know that? Why do you know Delta Sky Miles? Yeah. They advertise it. Yeah. Why do you know Chase Business Account? Why do you know Wells Fargo? Right. Well, you know there's a local bank in every... Well, how do you find out about that? You got to do advertising and marketing. I had no clue. So <laughs> I had no clue. So when I caught him, anyway, I actually ended up getting a call back from both Fox and Education First. And they, Education First was paying. I still had one season of football left at this time. I was like, oh, dope. I'm going with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was making like $15 <laughs> an hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this wasn't one of those like salary, corporate job offers where it's going to be like, oh, you're going to be here for a couple of years. It was... 
like a was it an internship type role or they he just it's just a job. He just was like, I could help you out. Okay, so tell me more. So he just said, all right. So I, when I came in, mm-hmm. they they put me on part time hourly. Okay, in marketing. Yeah, in the marketing department, it was mm-hmm. four of us mm-hmm. because I was still playing sports. Okay. This was my senior season. This right. was my senior season when I met Mr. Lackey. Um, so he he gave me the job, and um, I basically was a marketing assistant. But it wasn't like that. It was more like it was super collaborative. The first project that I worked on. Um, they were trying to, I walked in the door and they were trying to figure out this BOGO campaign. And it was, um, they were like, Hey, what do you think about this idea? Such and such like, uh, BOGO, like where we do, um, buy one, get one half off on loans. Right. So then long story short, I kind of like fixed the campaign and like, I did all the artwork for it. I like conceptualized it a little bit better from what they already had. And it ended up being a record-breaking campaign for them. They end up making like 4.5 million on um, in loan volume in like 30 to 45 days, wow. which was a record for them at that time. Okay. So I did all the billboards. I did all of the um, commercial concepts. Mm-hmm. Changed the artwork. A number of different things. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. So then the second one, um, we did this Get in the Black campaign where we were marketing credit cards. Okay. And we used a movie concept. So we took like 007 movie, Get in the Black, because, you know, people are in the red. If I get you a credit card, you get in the black. <laughs> right. So we put them in. But fast forward, that one ended up breaking records. They did like, I think, three and a half million in 30 days in credit card loan volume or something like that. Wow. So that was that was like the first place that I was working um, and I was seeing results. At this time, I still had my clothes on. Like this was before I transitioned out. But um, yeah, that was like the, that was the beginning. So then when I when I exited, like when I was done my football season, I stayed there for like another two and a half years. That's when I was doing my master's program. Okay. And I stayed there basically until I was done my master's. But, you know, that time period actually is the perfect dichotomy to explain, like, you know, work and play. Because when I was done uh, playing football, you could just imagine my schedule opens up even more. Right. So that's when I really, really got intentional about flying state to state and going to other places. But also what, what, what was going on was. At this time, I'm still doing the clothing line and I'm um, working at the bank, right? But what I was doing over here was learning how to do campaigns with multi-million dollar budgets. Okay. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I don't care what you want to call it, right? Job, no job, whatever. I need to understand how to do multi-million dollar campaigns, which is what I was able to do while I'm in it. So what I was learning was structure. With the clothing line, you know how long it would take you to turn a clothing line to a multi-million dollar business without startup capital? So I had the luxury of being able to miss. If I got, let's say I would have got those first two campaigns wrong, what would have happened? Nothing. The bank got millions of dollars. We had millions dollars. We had multi-million dollar budgets. I have enough budget to research and develop, even if I now, fortunately, my first three campaigns that I worked on were like successes. Mm-hmm. I didn't. But also there was no pressure to get it right immediately, mm-hmm. which with the clothing line, 
when I like fast forward to like why it ended, there was not enough room to miss. If you miss on a design, you're stuck with inventory and it's a startup, you 23, 24. I don't have the capital to put that in there and I don't have the time to go get capital to put in there, yeah. right? So sometimes it's not necessarily like, uh one to one sometimes you have to understand what's mi- so now when i recreate stuff that i do now well i've extracted so much information from places that i work that i could apply yes. the structure to my own stuff i'm not really shooting in the dark mm-hmm. when you start from nothing you're shooting in the dark yeah. You are shooting in the dark. The clothing line we did from nothing. It was a shot in the dark. Now, I was fortunate that stuff was working, but I didn't even know what startup capital was back then. I had no clue what it was. When you started your clothing line the first time? Yeah. I, I didn't know what startup capital was. I didn't know you could get funding for. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could, um, you know, get grants and things like that. That was stuff that I took from other business structures. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the naivety of like you being passionate enough and a go-getter to start your own thing because I am starting to understand like you're kind of you're mixed with a lot of different learnings and you were blessed with the mindset to capitalize on certain principles of life because like one thing I'll say about entrepreneurs is that get started in them is just it's Mm. awesome and then the benefit that I say when it comes to corporate citizens is they are literally in testing grounds to mm-hmm. build their business. But you have literally the the best of both worlds because you've done you've jumped out on na- naivety and created something, and you've learned, I'm sure, the bumps and bruises of that entrepreneurial mm-hmm. endeavor. Oh yeah. And then some, you know, your your education is what provided you with the information about like seed cap seed capital yeah. and, and all of this stuff, but. So you're, and then you're utilizing your, in this next chapter, mm-hmm. you're utilizing the information that you have in marketing mm-hmm. to inform the business decisions that you make as an entrepreneur. Right. So I'm curious if you think as a marketer, because mm-hmm. we're in the day, we're in the age of marketing. Do you feel like out of all of the professional, and this is more like a biased question, so feel free to be biased in your response. If you feel like because you got the education in like marketing, if you could go out and like push any product or service and be successful at it because now you have all of this like like experience in marketing to parlay into whatever you want whether it's product or service that's a great question um yes and no Mm -hmm. and the reason is like businesses have to have purpose Um, you still have to have purpose. So sometimes you could, there's a, there was a company, um, called, um, dang, I hate the fact that I'm, I'm, I can't think of the name of this company, but there was a company, uh, that did a bunch of Super Bowl commercials, right? This was during the dot-com era. They did a bunch of Super Bowl commercials, um, and they got super popular and they failed because they didn't have purpose. Like, so you can market something, you can make it big and grandiose and make sure that people know about it. But if people don't gravitate towards it, marketing is really, you know, building awareness in the most efficient way in like in in lay terms. Right. I'm going to make you aware of it. I'm going to tell you the purpose of it and I'm going to expect that you buy it. So if your product has no function or purpose, if your service has no function or purpose, it's hard to make people connect to it no matter how you spin it. 
So yeah, can I make people aware of it? Can I get people to consider it? Can I help you craft a story? Yeah. If you have capital, can we get it in all of the right places for all the right people to see it? Yeah. But if you don't have function, if you don't have purpose, if you don't have great customer service, if you don't have um, continuous funding, um, if you don't have, it's, it's not like a one shot thing, which a lot of businesses that I consult right now, Sometimes they get it confused in the beginning, but I'm also fortunate that the experiences that I have on so many different levels allows me to walk in and identify, hey, this might not be the best decision for you right now Mm -hmm. if you don't have these other six components in place. Like I can see it before you because you have only been some people go into a corporate center and they are like, this is my thing and this is what I do and yeah. da, da, da. you didn't see the business when I was working at the bank I actually saw the functions of the business I would go I would go sit with the CEO hey how does this function how do all these pieces go together mm-hmm. and that wasn't my last job but each time that I've ever like been in a job I go sit with the stakeholders now everybody else I see that they don't necessarily do that but I do I'm going to call you because I probably do need your mentorship. You've been doing this for longer than me. I'm not that arrogant to where it doesn't matter how much I've generated. I know how to do what I know how to do, but I need you to explain how do all these pieces go together because you did it even bigger. So how do they go together? Okay, now I understand. So when I consult companies now, I see what they're missing before they ever see it. So sometimes, yeah, I can get you where you need to go, but it's going to take more than what people might actually expect. Yeah. And that purpose you just said is actually really, really, really important. Um, so thank you for that. <laughs> I feel like you're, you're like coaching my, my clients without me even speaking. <laughs> Every time you say something, I'm like, yeah, right. Um, tell me a little bit about business and bullshit. Oh, business and bullshit. Wow. That's a deep question in some senses. Mm. So business and bullshit was something that someone used to ask me. How can I separate? They used to say to me, Steve, how can you separate the business from the bullshit? I don't know which one is which. Because when I'm going to Vegas, I'm going to California, I'm going out the country. It it all looks the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like when I'm in the studio with the game until 4 a.m. and there's girls around and there's drinks going on, it looks the same. But I'm actually producing content. Yeah, I'm producing content because he's about to roll out an album and I'm going to get this brand to distribute this content. Yeah. But it looks like you just turned turning up that's what it looks like yeah but you know oh such and such you know like like for example this is a real-time example okay uh aristotle came to la come to the car dealership i'm gonna show you guys the cars i'm gonna show you guys what we had planned such and such such and such cool now we go out to eat this is not a regular setting. Yeah. You understand? So let's go. To, oh, you got your boy with you? It's his birthday? Rounds for everybody. <laughs> right? This is true. This is a true story. Cool. All right. Now we eating and we drinking and we talking about, yo, when I played football, I would have locked you up. That's what the conversation sounds like. Mm-hmm. But he's working on the conference. Um, well, I have something of value to give you. So by the time we get back to, you know, the dealership, Oh, that's what, and tell me what y'all was working on. All right, look, this is what we could do to add value to the ticket that you guys already have. Mm -hmm. 
we can come in and show people how to do their personal credit, business credit, and uh, how to scale using like Facebook marketing and Google marketing, right? Yeah, I like it. Y'all should definitely do that. We'll add you to the dinner because this is this is the block that we have open, and people would have to go on their own. So yeah, let's do that. So when someone that night, we end up going out to the club. Yo, can you get them a table, please? Such and such. Yeah, sure. All right now we in the club. Of course, there's girls there. Of course, there's drinks there. Mm-hmm. Are you working on business or are you playing? Okay. So the concept came from someone asking me the question, yeah. how can I tell what's business and what's bullshit? Yeah. It looks exactly the same. Yeah. So that's kind of like what that came from. And when I couldn't answer the question, I just embraced it. And I said, well, mm, it's a little bit of business and bullshit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. So when you think about um, those settings, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to frame it where so the reason I just decided to name the, the podcast work and play is because my vision was to be around all the people I love and love to hang out with and people who truly are my friends making money at the same time and mm-hmm. just kicking it yeah and I really am like it's it's this entrepreneurial mindset where some people you have to leave behind mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah but I would love for them to embrace that mindset too because we could all be getting money yeah. So do you feel like in that journey, mm-hmm. now where you're kind of in that sweet spot of business and bullshit, that there's just some people who can't bullshit in business with you? and you, Or do, have you just created new friends in these environments mm-hmm. where it just happens to be fun and they're not all necessarily that part of your community? Ooh, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely some people that... I'm fortunate. Mm-hmm. I'm fortunate in a lot of ways. I'm fortunate to have like quality friends. But um, it's definitely some people that are like, yeah, everybody can't go. Everybody can't because I'm not even going to be the best me to bring anything of value back to you. Because if that's what you want, we can't even our conversations not really going to align because mm-hmm. the priorities are not aligned. Mm-hmm. So if we talking about going out all the time, buddy, when I'm outside, I know what it looks like, but that's not what I'm here doing. Right. That's not what I'm here for. So what do you grab? You gravitating towards something that I'm not gravitating towards. It's almost like when you see friends that do drugs, like, and maybe let's say, let's just say weed. Okay. You smoke weed. I don't smoke weed. So maybe that's cool. And I'm not opposed to what you're doing or anything about your lifestyle. But at some point, if that becomes your priority, we start to part ways because your lifestyle and my lifestyle, I might love you the same way, but some of it, you know, you just start to grow new leaves. Mm-hmm. I feel it. I appreciate you saying that. Um, and it's definitely something for me to consider because even I feel like I'm just getting in my work and play bag, right? Mm-hmm. And I know you, I feel like you, not that I've known you for a while, but of course, like looking at your... Um, uh, public persona, you would think, okay, you've been doing this for a while. You kind of know how to be intentional, even in those spaces. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just that's also helpful for me to know. Um, I typically will do well. First of all, I gotta thank you because mm-hmm. like you being on the couch definitely gives different perspective to the Work and Play podcast. And as the podcast grows, I want to have more conversations like this where people embrace it or mm-hmm. even are open to the concept of you know bullshit in business or work and play mm. and there's a journey to get to that so mm-hmm. i appreciate you sharing that part of the journey because it's cool to see like i never got a chance to hang out i went to a d1 school never mm. really hung out with the athletes or anything but i'm i'm only imagining 
if there was one person like you at my school, I didn't get a chance to meet them. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. Because that's the, the the economics behind what you're, the environment that you're in, the money flow, like mm-hmm. the, the utility of it, the um, opportunities that you can use the money, like all of that is just a completely different stratosphere. So it's yeah. kind of just cool plugging oh. into you on that <laughs> level too. Because like, I'm like, yo... They probably were getting to it, but I was so in my business bag that I weren't. I wasn't. I was tapping in, but I wasn't tapping into those those ways because that wasn't my community. Yeah. So I asked this ceremonial question. Actually, what I would like to ask you is, um, for people who are already in corporate, they mm-hmm. have the mindset of like, this is my job. I've been here for seven, ten years, and maybe they haven't considered like leveraging other people around them Mm -hmm. so that they can get to what their end goal is. Mm -hmm. And I would like for you to connect the mindset somehow because they they could be looking at you like, okay, well, shoot, he started at eighteen years old. I'm thirty years old. How do I start now? So the question is, how would they start now developing that mindset? What's some practical tips you would share so they can kind of get to utilize what they have to get where they want to go? I changed my diet. Mm. I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about mm. I change my diet every day. And, and what I mean by that is, okay, Steve at 25 and Steve at 31, the two different habits. Right now, every morning I wake up, my first 30 minutes go to myself. I meditate and I listen to an audio book. When I'm in the car, if it's more than an hour, half of that has to go to an audio book. Now, by the time I'm done, so now I'm reading information of value. That's seeding information of mindset in me consistently. Some people will say, I don't want to do that or I don't want to listen to such and such. I can't listen to a Boosie interview or a, a NBA young boy or whatever, whatever music artist. I can't listen to them all day, all month. You can't substitute one hour. Most audiobooks are seven hours or less. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me most people probably listen to music at least three hours out of the day. You can't substitute one hour. I'm substitute. I started substituting my mental diet. What am I eating upstairs to allow me to think consistently like this? Because if you see yourself with that type of information consistently, you don't. That's what you're gonna, you know, grow, right? If I plant that information in me, that's what's gonna grow, right? So I started planting new information in myself consistently. I made it a habit. I made it a habit to do it. I was super duper intentional about making it a habit to see new information. And then I retool myself all the time because, all right, I started consulting in 2015 and I was doing it behind the scenes. But the Steve Murray consultant today doesn't look like Steve Murray consultant in 2015. Like there's a new website, there's new services, there's new management services, there's a team around me, things like that. And it's never uh, so it's I actually my newest company, SMCA Creative, is not fully up and running, although we have clients. But I retooled it based on information that I got from working somewhere else. So it's never too late. So the practical thing would be, you know, I would tell people to change your mental diet of what conversations are you putting yourself in and what are you feeding yourself? Uh, like I would suggest doing an audio book at least once a month because I think at it's least. just, yeah, at least, at least you have to complete at least one audio book per month. And then 
Um, the other thing is when you when you are in those uh, workspaces, I think you have to uh, extract information that aligns with like business development, if that's what you want to do. For the people who don't, I don't think building a business is for everyone. I think you can be successful without building a business, although it's a component of wealth. So the skills that it takes to to run a business and put people together and make a team and um, things like that aren't necessarily the skills that everyone have. So if that isn't your skill set, I think that's cool, too. But I think you move yourself into an investor pocket. Okay, be intentional about learning stocks. Allow your money to work for yourself so that you at least develop streams of income when you're sleeping or passive income right now if i show you yeah i'm here i have two toros that just got rented out one was booked this morning the other one was booked last night Mm -hmm. i'm in atlanta Mm -hmm. it's passive i don't have to start this is just while i'm not so the money that you're making no matter where you are i think you have to complete an audio book. You have to be intentional about learning a new skill that can develop passive income if you don't necessarily want to build a business. Because what you get from working a job is just that. But if you really want to like grow, it's almost impossible to grow without developing new skill sets. Because even your skill sets that you have get outdated. Yeah. I've listened to an audio book every month and certain podcasts and things like that. Because I don't want my skills to get outdated. All right. I know marketing today, but what if I didn't... They didn't teach me how to do Facebook advertising in school. Mm-hmm. I learned that. Mm-hmm. I just had a lot of base. I learned how to do that. And then once I learned how to do it at scale and what I ended up doing, which I didn't... Sh- one of the brands that um, I went in to get a contract they actually end up offering me a job. I said, when I looked at the structure of how we put the deal together, like, yeah, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. But what it gave me was like access to do Facebook and Google ads at scale. And then I built relationships with people at Facebook. So then when certain brands wanted to get stuff done, I got the relationship. Who said you got to put yourself in position to be able to take your bag with you and walk out the door and you know you good. I could, people call me every day. How do you do? Can you help me get... Yeah, of course. I could call five people at Facebook right now. It don't matter where I got the resource from. I'm positioning myself to, I think the common misnomer, freedom, is not about having a job or not having a job. Freedom is about having a choice. Yeah. Are you choosing to be there or are you forced to be there? Jay-Z took a job at Def Jam when he became president. That was a choice because he had freedom. It don't matter where you are. Do You got the freedom to do it. I, I know what I could say no to and I know what I could say yes to every day. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I put myself in that kind of the parallel to like consulting and um, doing marketing jobs. Like when you're a marketing manager and stuff like that is I'm still if my clients call me right now, I work for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I work for them. Yeah. If I don't deliver my deliverables, they drop shit. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. If I work a job, I work for them too. Yeah. I work for everybody that works with me. Yeah. But if you don't see your parallels on what you're trying to do and does it align with, don't put yourself in position where it doesn't align with what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. Put yourself in position, get new information, learn new skills. Those three. You could take your bag wherever you're ready to go. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Wherever and whenever you want. Yeah. To go. That's fire. 
That's absolutely amazing. Thank you for that advice. I think that's definitely really going to, it's, it's helpful. It's mm. 100% helpful and it's comprehensive. Mm. It's crazy how you take like like a, a long life journey and you bucket it down into like four four points and good context. Mm. So people can understand how they can actually parlay that, that where they are in a comfortable place. And even if they haven't gotten the engine rolling, you've given them like some really good practical steps. Feeding your, feeding, uh, changing your diet, your mental diet. I love it. Yeah, we've talked about so much. There's actually a a lot that I would love to talk about, but I know we got to get out of here. So for us to like um, wrap up, Mm -hmm. I would love for you to just pass a word of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, Or is there anything that we didn't talk about that you're really excited about now these days? Oh, I'm. um, hmm. What am I excited about right now? I'm excited every day right now. Mm-hmm. Every day I'm on fire right now. I'm on fire right now. Uh, just the, the the development of... Um, so everything that I've taken from consulting behind the scenes and working with different brands and things like that, right now I'm offering like one-on-one sessions with different people that want to get into those spaces as it relates to marketing. So I'm super excited about that because this is the first time... Usually uh, I like working at scale. Do you have a big budget? Can I grow? Mm-hmm. So now I'm kind of transforming and I'm saying I I have gathered enough true valuable information that I'm giving it back to people so right now with like I'm offering one-on-one coaching sessions um which is really exciting and then I have my new company that we just started SMCA Creative which really is the same company but I just never offered it to people I only offered it to like businesses um so now it's just open for people to be able to get management services with you know social media management paper click uh ads text marketing email marketing and um website development which are like the five main fundamentals that you need for businesses um so those two things i'm really excited about right now um that's probably it that's good i'm glad we got like look because i i am all about helping people so at the end of this if they connect with you and your story it's like now they know that they can actually work with you yeah so that's the the lit piece about it so if you you guys if they listen to the end of this show (laughs) and they um they they heard you with that proposition um, and if you have enjoyed Steve's story and if you listened and you stayed on um, and you want to get connected, Steve, what's mm-hmm. the best way for them to actually get connected with you to either follow your story uh-huh. or to just work with you? Uh, you can follow me at Steve Murray too on Instagram and they can visit my website, which is stevemurrayconsulting.com. Um, where you can find all of the information on how to get in contact with me. Wonderful. Well, there you have it, guys. I really hope you enjoyed it. It was a treat. If not just for me, (laughs) then hopefully for all of us. But y'all have a wonderful day. But until next time, peace out.